Welcome to the Feel Better Make It podcast. Real life, real women, no shame. We take it from drop it like it's hot to I can't get off the toilet. In this podcast, we tackle questions about real issues women have to face with their body, life, love, and their career. Every week, Dr. Letitia and Dr. Jennifer, both physical therapists and business owners, will share from their life experiences and expertise on their journey to feeling better naked. Join us as we ask the questions you've never asked and have fun while doing it. Hey, y'all. This is Jennifer with uh, the Feel Better Naked podcast. And today we are going to talk about three things your mom didn't teach you about down there, also known as your vulva. Today, uh, Dr. Letitia is joining me, my awesome co-host, longtime friend. What's going on this week for you, Dr. T? Hey, girl. Um, You know, same old, you know, trying to, um, you know, like probably as most women try to, trying to, trying to do all the things and trying to figure out how to fit in time to get things done, but then saying, guess what? I really need to just prioritize, you know, my top two things I want to get done for that day and not get stressed out about not doing all the things. And because when I start doing that, then nothing gets accomplished. I get off on one thing. I start thinking about the other. So then trying to get back (laughs) to focus. And uh, so that's pretty much working on planning. Um, I'm actually into my um, a couple weeks into my health coach certification. So I'm learning some things with that, really getting some viable information. So I'm, I'm making my way and trying to be, you know, active making sure I get my fitness in and get my mental health time in there, which is really important key for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, totally see you on doing all the things. That's why I do my one thing for the day <laughs> related to my business, which um, again, I'm a public physical therapist and own a public PT clinic South of Atlanta. And um, I am definitely feeling you on just adjusting fitness right now. I'm doing some acupuncture. That's been really nice, just trying to bring down my nervous system and doing yoga, walks, and acupuncture, kind of holding off on my joy for weight training so I can get my nutrition on point because every time I'm trying to work out hard and don't have those those calories coming in the way I should, I don't feel so great. So, yes. yeah, I'm excited to hear about your health coaching stuff, though. I'm yeah. sure we'll get to talk about that more in the future. So today we, again, are going to be talking about three things your mom didn't teach you about down there, which it's funny we say down there because not everyone calls it a vulva. We usually call it a vagina. So. Okay, girl. Yeah. What is a vulva? Go ahead and break that on down for us. I was just trying to get you to ask that sooner. Um, the, the vulva is the outside of the vagina. So that's going to be the labia or the lips, the outer lips and inner lips. It would be like calling your face, your throat. The vagina is just the canal. So the vulva is the outside. And so does that answer your? Yes. You that's oh, that's yes. where cover, being covered by hair. Yes. Yes, covered by hair. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about all the things. Uh, well, the top three things, but we'll, I'm sure, talk more about the vulva and, and what it's supposed to look like, 
how we're supposed to be cleaning it and what it's supposed to smell like. These are all kind of rhetorical questions, but coming back to the vulva, and I really feel like if you are a woman or you're raising a daughter who has a vagina, vulva, we probably need to use both words, especially for our young girls, because we don't want anyone touching our vagina. That's in our body boundary. So I've taught my young girls to say vulva and vagina. Like they know what that is. Again, they're 10, 8, and 5. Yes. And the twin boy calls it a vulva. So <laughs> he's got all his sisters. He'll be saying, Mom, Lena's vulva, it hurts. And I'm like, oh, man, I think he's the only boy yes. that calls it a vulva. But, but you know, he loves his girls. You know, he's got, he his, like, his, got girls. his girls around him. His so. girls. <laughs> so, um, so you're a vulva. Let's just, you, you mentioned hair. So where, you know, we just start with a first question of like, what did you get taught that it's supposed to look like? Yeah. Uh, zero. I mean, there's not, there's not any segue that goes into, guess what? Everything is, everything below the belt is vagina. Yeah. It's just vagina, vagina. That's it. That's the terminology for it. Vulva never entered into my um, education until into adulthood, you know? So it's not, you know, it's not anything that's ever like, this is the breakdown. It's just like, well, you know, you go to, you start your cycle, you know, fifth grade or whatever grade that was, you start your cycle. Okay. Here's how to do with the pads. It's going to happen every month. You know, you might be, obviously people say moody and things like that, but that was it. There was no breakdown of anatomy to be able to say what is normal and what is not. Yeah. And I remember in eighth grade, the STD class, because see, Letitia and I, we grew up in the same town. <laughs> and so we probably had the same classes. And I remember, man, STDs. And I remember they talked a little bit about like the clitoris and the anatomy, but, but it was still like one class out of like our whole childhood. Uh, mm -hmm. The first one was in that fifth grade, like period that you're talking about. So, you know, no one's really, and then your mom, our mom, Really, no, it's not, it's not their fault. Know. Yeah, it's not their fault that they don't have Rachel. That's not, any, that's not anything that was passed down to them or educated to them. And there's no perfect place. There's no segue where you're like, okay, I'm going to learn about the, you know, the breakdown of the vagina on the vulva. There's nowhere in your life where you have <laughs> the, 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 uh, the thought to be able to know that information until maybe something, you know, where you have to get something addressed. But then I still don't think then you know, anytime I've gone to gynecologist or you've had your, you know, pap smears, I think they're up to every three years, be every year. I think it's up to every three years or something. Now, if you have a normal one, that still wasn't anything that was broken down. It was like, oh gosh, let's get in these stirrups. Think about something else for a few minutes and get this insert, <laughs> inserted inside. Yeah. Talk about that. Turn, turn around. Yeah. Talk about trauma. Turn yeah. around and inside of you and then take that. All right. That's it. Damn, glad that's over. But still, there's no education. They didn't that tell you with that. Yeah, there's no education yeah. that occurs with that. Yeah, and and maybe the first time you've ever had anything inserted into your vaginal canal, and there you are at 18, 20, whatever. Mm -hmm. That feels awful. And then we're now associating penetration and vulva with potentially pain. Um, and so, looking like looking at your vulva. Have you looked at your vulva with the mirror? Maybe yeah. you have because you're my friend. 
Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, I'll say this until we started talking about this or whatever years ago. No, I had there was like to me, there was no not any purpose. I mean, there was nothing that brought attention to let me see. Because, first of all, obviously, you got to have a mirror or something in there because no way you can see. <laughs> You're not going to put your head. Yeah, down, there's like no way you can go. see. So, like taking the mirror and actually looking at it has just been very recent for me. And, like I said, and both of us have been, you know, in professional and physical therapy, had, you know, anatomy, all of those things, anatomy and physiology, all of those things. And we still had no idea or it had I'll not. Tell you. The first time I looked at it, this is sad. It's sad that I can remember. Yeah. Most recent. I was pregnant with the twins. Five yeah. years ago. Babies. Yeah. Even with babies, you don't still. Associate. And I'm looking at that Volvo when I'm pregnant. Mm-mm, that looks <laughs> different. <laughs> but then you don't know. Right. I like, what is that? That doesn't look right. Well, how do I know what it looks like? It's supposed to look like because I never looked. I don't know what my baseline is. Mind you, I had looked before, actually. I'll tell you that. But um, but, it, you know, I I'm a pelvic PT and treat lots of lots of women. And um, when I asked that question about. 80% of the time, women say, I have never looked. And there's no like shame, right? There's no shame with our podcast here as you're listening in. Like we're just saying right now, like, recently we've looked and we're both fishing 40. Um, yeah. And I didn't even know it was called a vulva until really yeah. named it that way until recently too. And I was yeah. a physical therapist, you know, before I became a pelvic PT. But I think that all comes down to naming the parts when you're a kid do we call it some down there or Mm -hmm. you know whatever nickname no just gotta name it so if you've got daughters it's a vulva yeah a vagina it's not a my niece used to call it a woggy what are we going at here all kind of term coochie um (laughs) a bush yeah exactly yes or crotch um pussy sorry to say that word but yeah that's all the terminology it's like you know you want to have break things down based on the age like you could say the age level your comfort level whatever of the individual and then build upon that obviously not everybody's mom as a pelvic floor pt and has their 10 year olds now saying call them vulva but in general terms <laughs> if you're able to designate there are different parts just like there's more than one hole yeah type of situation so even things yeah. like that have never been brought to the forefront so you don't know about your anatomy everybody knows all right i got my shoulder joint connected to my elbow joint and all that stuff you've got everything down you know all about that but you don't know anything about your what's going on even still externally because that's your goal but internally as well so that people know you know what it is how it works. Yeah. So, so my, you know, as you're listening, I'm sure you're like, well, the looking at it, get a mirror. Y'all have a mirror for makeup and you can look at it just standing with your foot up on the bathtub, sitting on your bed. I mean, again, because women also don't know where their clitoral hood is. Their clitoris, the clitoral head there. Again, the clitoral organ, it's the head of the organ is right there above the urethra. And then it wraps around the vaginal opening underneath the skin. So the clitoral organ, if you look that up, it looks like uh, the anatomy of what a penis looks like and it gets an erection and that's how you can palpate it. But, you know, again, that's another conversation about arousal and orgasm. But looking at your vulva, 
it's taking a mirror. And let me tell you, we just talked about, we were never taught. There's no standard yeah. of what your vulva is supposed <laughs> to look like. So when you're like, Ooh, is that, it's you, it's uniquely you. It's beautifully you. It's the way you are designed. It's everyone's vulva looks different, but you know, you know, Dr. Latish and I were talking about where do people get these ideas of, of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. So sure. Yeah, media. It's gonna be media. It's gonna yeah. be images. It's gonna be what's perceived as as normal. And they're like, oh no, this maybe maybe I am maybe I'm not normal. Maybe I've done something wrong, or maybe I'm supposed to be treating it a, a different way. So how do you how do you take care of how do you take care of your of your vulva? Yeah, I just want to go off of like that image real quick too, because okay. like we were saying, you know, you're gonna wear a bikini, and you obviously see, well, I have hair if I don't wax or shave, so. Um, maybe I ought to do that because that's what is in these images and, or, you know, you know, sexual adult content as well. Like you talked about um, in media that you're looking at those things as well and thinking as a young kid, well, so that, that young woman has it all waxed. So maybe that's way, or maybe mom's got it waxed. And so this image of what it's supposed to look like. And so hair, you were born with hair. Hair has got a lot of great benefits for your vulva. It helps prevent STDs. It helps keep that pH balance where it needs to be. Keeps the vulva happy because that skin is so sensitive. But um, what I always like to say, if you like it waxed and shade for yourself because it makes you feel good, great. But this is digging deep as to what what comparison mindsets we have on on what it's supposed to look like. Um, So how do you take care of it? Yeah. Yeah. How do you take care of it? All I know is that whole shaving situation, it doesn't go well. When that hair is starting to grow back, for me, it's itchy city driving me all the way crazy. <laughs> so, right? I, so no full itchy. shave. I can't, uh-uh, I can't tolerate that. You may be able to do a little trim, trim, maintenance. <laughs> but trim. That whole, what was it? No, I want to say bald eagle. Have you heard that <laughs> I can't, whatever, I can't do it. That's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, I agree. Shaving and then shape where we start itching down there, that's going to just irritate the skin. And who's going to want to sit? You're in the middle of a patient. I go, I treat patients. Yeah. And there your vulva is just itching. Like, mm. yeah, exactly. You're trying to move back and forth. You're trying to do whatever you need to do so that you just don't straight scratch. <laughs> oh, because you know, scratch. That's, yeah, that'd be definitely uncomfortable with patient care. And we always had those times where there is itching, even with with, you know, still having all of your hair Hair. where you do feel some itchiness and you're trying to be like, oh, I'm trying not to just scratch there. I'm like, same thing. If I've been in pain, you know, in patient care, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh man, you know, what, what, what do I, what can I do? But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, what we will talk about all these things in the future as well, because um, vulva is heavily influenced by hormonal changes. So itchiness can be, again, very common. And I always bring up, you know, yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis, your gynecologist, family doc, even urgent care, some of these urgent cares, you can get a swab and test for those things because, yeah, those can be irritating. But when we look at shaving and um, and trimming and waxing, sometimes for you, it, it might irritate your skin. So, um, you know, having hair there um, is perfectly normal. And if you don't want it there, then that's fine. 
it's your body, but do it for you is my recommendation. Um, and taking, and taking care of it though, too, this also goes into, um, how we're cleaning our vulva, right? Cause again, like, I don't remember them talking about that at all in elementary school. So oh. I feel like I, I always loved anatomy and science. Hence I do what I do. I would have been intrigued, but, um, we're not really taught how to take care of it. And it had, if we're cleaning it with certain soaps, or using certain perfumes that can create itching too and irritation. So um, as a pelvic PT, I treat painful intercourse, whether that's painful entry or painful deep penetration. And sometimes it's that skin, a lot of times, the skin on the outside, the vulva, that's so irritated that no, anything that's touching that, your muscles and everything is going to clench up. So sometimes just basics of how are we cleaning it? And my recommendations is your vagina is like, it's self-cleaning. I don't like to use this analogy a lot, but like a self-cleaning oven, <laughs> right? It doesn't need anything in it. It just needs to water. So I'm, I'm a big fan of you wash your body, you know, whatever. And again, um, Dr. Lefish and I are both pretty health conscious and careful of the types of chemicals and things that are in our soaps and um, our shampoos or conditioners or whatever we're using on our body. But you know, wash your body with, with whatever, but when it comes to rinsing out the vulva, it's just water. Um, and that's all it needs. So. Yeah, so you don't need nature's best and flowery flu and, you know, get the flowers of the, uh, what was it? What was you say? Peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. <laughs> Peaches and cream. Okay. Anyways, we can go into that song, but anyways, you don't need all the things and so like going like a flowery garden and looking at all these commercials that say all these products where you have to do this, this, and this to, for your yeah. vaginal health. Yeah. Which goes into that, that third point of there's no standard of how it's supposed to, well, your smell is unique to you. There are some smells when we are thinking about, um, you know, wanting to pay attention to what our smell is and there's going to be like a fishy smell you don't want to have or like something dies down there odor because you're usually going to have a, a discharge now but having an odor is normal and it's it's there's no standard it's your odor it's it's like your own body scent we all have our own scent and your the smell of your vulva is uniquely yours and knowing that smell without putting perfumes on is again important because then you're going to pick up on like mm, something doesn't smell right Maybe I have an infection because yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis can sometimes just be as simple as a little itching. You don't have to have a cottage cheese discharge and all the other discharge involved. So, and again, discharge is normal. Discharge helps clean the vulva. You're supposed to have discharge, um, but we're just knowing what our normal is. And this will be a, again, a future podcast, but we know our menstrual cycles. It's huge to know, you start to find a pattern when you have regular menstrual cycles of when you're having discharge at certain times. Mm-hmm. And um, as long as you're monitoring your cycle. So yeah, yes. peaches Go and back. cream, all those. Repeat that, again. Repeat that again for the people in the back about discharge being normal. Yes. Discharge is normal. We don't okay. need to be wearing pads to, to make sure we're clean down there. Um, the discharge is what's helping keeping that pH balance, great, um, to prevent yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis and, and keep your vulva healthy and happy. So discharge is good. But like I mentioned, there's some discharges that maybe there's an infection going on and I want, want to get this checked out. But 
We don't need to be scrubbing that Volvo with a washcloth. It's not dirty, right? And that's that's the other thing is this concept of somehow your Volvo is there's it's like dirty and it's going to hurt. Um, so I better you know just deal with the pain with intercourse or deal with the pain with periods and and oh I, everyone's going to smell me and I'm no no none of that. That's all I'm miss. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, identifying what's normal. The thing is, is identifying what's normal and what's not normal. Obviously, there's obviously normal discharge and there's times when it's not. So if you don't know what your normal is or what it looks like, then it's going to sometimes going to be hard. You'll be thinking things that are normal, that are abnormal going on. And this is just a normal part of it. So being able to identify those red flags when you are, you know, having, you know, issues and being able to address them sooner than later. Yeah, and I an important key not to push right into, to the side. Yeah. This comes right into um leaking urine too. I have a lot of women who think, Oh, I'm peeing on myself and that's probably sometimes it's just discharge. But public PT, I'm gonna bring these things up, like leaking urine. Um, that's not it's very common. It doesn't have to be your normal. You don't have to accept that as your normal. Um, and doing in kegels and all that, just to tighten everything down there and make sure it looks a certain way and feels a certain way for your partner. Um, kegels are not pelvic physical therapy, and kegels are not queen. The queen, yes, they're not queen. That that takes us into point number two, which is that kegels. Though you know, every time you do a search for pelvic floor exercises or after pregnancy or after that, that's the first thing that pops up. And then a lot of primary care providers, they think that's the only tool in the arsenal. They give all these ladies, oh, just do kegels, 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 kegels. So you go in there and you're trying to figure out how to tighten up your muscles the appropriate way. And you continue to do all the things like I just been doing them for years. I'm, I'm good. That's, that's the only thing that you need to do. So break down a little bit about when are you should be using kegels and when should you not? And just kind of a little background about that. Yeah. You know, and this, I think this still ties into to the vulva because um, if people are having painful um, intercourse or painful sexual intimacy, painful orgasms, um, and you're not, you're not feeling great about your vulva, right? So you're doing all these things, which could be irritating it. And then what you're told, um, this is a, so unfortunate, but told even for girls who've never had children or having pelvic pain, painful periods, painful intercourse, uh, and they're told to just do kegels. What are we doing? Like, no, the pelvic floor muscles have to contract and lift to support our organs. And it's really big and stabilizing the pelvis and the spine. But they also need to lengthen and relax so we can have good bowel movements, empty our bladder, and enjoy intimacy and intercourse and allow things to come into the vaginal canal. So when we tell a client to just do kegels, that is irrelevant. We don't know. I have lots of women that have had four vaginal births with a tight, overactive, I shouldn't say tight, like say high tension pelvic floor that if she were to do kegels, she's gonna have more pain because usually those clients are having painful pain, painful, you know, bladder pain, mm-hmm. uh, constipation. And so kegels are not the answer. Kegels are not um, pelvic physical therapy. Um, it is a tool for some clients that can be effective, but I would say I'm only, I very rarely as a clinician, I would say probably per week, 10% of my clients get kegels. Yeah. See, that's 10%. huge, you know, and that's just has been the generic 
term is that that's the only thing you do when you have when you have issues. Or guess what? After you have a baby, you just got to do your kegels. And you can just be sitting in the car and just go ahead and just tighten up those muscles because that's yeah. the only one freaking exercise that is giving for, and you, and really it's not even thought of as people think about as far as muscles. So do you know, obviously there's other things you do. Like if you have like your arm and your biceps, there's a million, uh, several different ways you can build up strength in your biceps. Yeah. There's all different ways you can do shoulder, chest, legs, quads, all those on. But then there's only one way for a group of multiple of pelvic floor muscles <laughs> to be able to do what they need to do on top of the whole tightening. You know, it's like you continuing to put a load on something that already had the load that's getting ready to break. And you just continue to tighten, 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 tighten. And then it just up and then it gives finally gives up because you put so much load on it. So now you're telling your pelvic floor muscles that are already maybe super tight, irritated, whatever. And now you're going to do that even more and figure, trying to figure out why is it this working? Yeah. Yeah. And it's that concept of too, like my, my vagina has to look or vulva, right. It has to look a certain way and it's got to be tight, right. For my partner or for me to have an orgasm or arousal or gosh, I've had a baby now I'm ruined. No fault. Yeah. You, you've already said a whole word right there about everything. Got to be tight and right. You know, you got to get that, get it back tight. Because it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be the same. So you got to get those muscles back tight. And that's something that is culturally definitely seen in, I would say, Black women as well. That whole focus on thing, getting things back tight so that you can be, you know, for your partner, essentially, you know, yeah. you got to get things back tight again because they, well, they just fell apart after the baby. So that whole perception of what that means is that you could be now doing more harm because you're just doing a generic exercise that's not specific to your condition. Yeah, or just like you've not seen improvement. It just it's going to be plateaued. It's just not doing anything for you. So you know this is definitely um, a huge thing we treat in the clinic is, is pelvic pain, and it really it goes down to the basics of a what's driving that pain. That's what physical therapists do across all boards is we are investigators, detectives. We want to get to that root cause. So if someone's coming for pelvic pain, what's causing that? We, we don't know. In the vulva, a lot of times, because that's a nerve pain, the vulva could be driving that. So if I'm not taking care of my vulva the way it needs to, irritate, well, the best way we know how, right? Because no one taught us. We're just, it's all a guessing game. You're really just Googling it. And then now I'm irritating the skin, which irritates the nerves of the pelvic floor. Well, now when I'm trying to put a tampon in, a menstrual cup, wear that pad during, we all have our menstrual cycles, unless you've got an IUD or you're in menopause. Um, and so this vulva, taking care of your vulva is so important because it could be driving some of your pain for sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's like, like you said, just like, you know, as when I'm looking at in my physical therapy practice and somebody comes in and says they have knee issues, I'm not just going to go ahead and say, boom, do this one thing right here. And that's, that's, what's going to, that's, what's going to solve it. Like if I didn't look at what's going on at the hip, what's going on at the ankle, what are the underlying things to investigate what's going on with your knee pain? And it could, and all that is tied into, uh, you know, your back, your, you know, your spine health, your pelvic floor, all that stuff can be tied into together. 
And if you're just looking at the one thing and that's all you do, then you're missing a whole large other component of the person as an individual, as well as to see what's going on. Because I know you end up doing a lot of, um, you know, it's really psychology. You know, you're really, I know, I know as a, as a teacher, I had people walk in and just meet them for a few minutes and I've gotten their whole life story in, in five minutes. And like, I'm glad that I have that comfortable presence for people to get the information <laughs> to, but I'm like, I'm always amazed. Like, man, I can't believe that they told me all this information and you might be the first person that they go to that actually sat down and listened to them. Their primary physician doesn't know Jack about it. <laughs> they still have the same standard they learned in med school, which was a very small segment about a bunch of things. So they're not the go-to specialist to go to when it comes to dealing with that. So you want to go to this, a, a specialist, go to a specialist when it comes down to being able, like I said, to be the CEO of your health. If something's not feeling right yeah. and that professional has been still telling you, you need to go out and seek someone that that's what they do. Yeah. And I would say, you know, preventatively, if you feel like I got nothing going on with, with, you know, in regards to what we're talking about vulva, like a a physical pelvic physical therapist, that's a great one is going to want to educate you. Right. And tell you like, they get for myself, I bring a mirror out. This is where your clitoris is. This is your inner labia. And this is maybe the first time these clients have seen this. So it's, you know, it's just important to to self-educate and and know the false information that's out there and Mm -hmm. know it doesn't have to look a certain way. And, no, it doesn't need to be clean with fragrant soaps. And no, it doesn't need to like peaches and cream. <laughs> so I just like to, you know, kind of wrap that up of, um, you know, your, your vulva is perfect. Yes, I love that. I love to end on that note right there. So remember, if you're listening to us for the first time, Feel Better Naked podcast, make sure you'd like and subscribe and go ahead and share with a friend. And you can go ahead and find us on social media at Dr. Tisha PT and at regenerate.physio so that you can get to follow up with us, see what's going on. We'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM, say you listen to the podcast, say if you learned something. I'm sure you have, but I'm continuing to learn as well. So until next time, make sure you feel better naked. Hi. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us today on our Real Conversations and Journey to Feeling Better Naked. I know there are a million other things you could be doing. Sending you all the love. Check out the show notes to grab any tidbits or tools that were discussed on the episode today and be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss next week's episode. Remember, you are enough.